Dr. Tom, thank you so much for being on the, on the radio with us here. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, we, you, you, talk, well, talk about your origin story. Where, where did you grow up and how did you get well, to Erie? Well, not, not everybody is as fortunate as your family. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a family in Pittsburgh. I'm a Pittsburgh boy. Okay. In fact, I always tease people in Erie. I've been here over 40 years and I'm still not one of you. <laughs> You're still a Yinzer. I'm still a Yinzer. <laughs> so, um, uh, but in, in my family, um, my dad was a, a violent alcoholic. Oh, I'm so sorry. So um, uh, that created particular challenges uh, coming up. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of the responsibility for really caring for the children. I had uh, two brothers and two sisters uh, fell on my mom and the extended family. Fortunately, I had a wonderful grandfather, mm. uh, absolutely wonderful. And um, this actually is a great segue into talking about parenting because parenting, people make it much more complicated than it needs to be. Granted, there are a lot of challenges today, given the technology and the social media that we didn't have when you or I grew up. But, but my grandfather, he had to be the warmest uh, person I've ever encountered. And uh, it's interesting. The research says that uh, parenting actually uh, can be broken down into two very important dimensions. And they talk about it in terms of acceptance and control. But to put that into 21st century terms, I would say it's warmth and limits. And you have to have a balance of the two. So that child of yours, no matter how old they get, I mean, my kids are grown and I still light up when they come in the room. I still make a fuss over them. I still tell them how special they are to me. And that needs to be there in whatever way fits for you and your family. And it can be done a lot of different ways. Um, you know, I definitely have the gift of gab, so I'm always laying it on with words. But my wife, who is very much an action person, she does it in the way she cares for people. Now, limits has, has to do with setting structure for children. Children need clear boundaries. Because if you think of that two-year-old, if you just let them go the way they want to go, they're going to self-destruct because they're not really aware of what's going on in the world. Same thing for teenagers. Yeah, those teenagers are going to fight you, but they're fighting the good fight of freedom. You've got to continue to assess and reassess and let them negotiate and renegotiate where the boundaries are based on their strengths and relative weaknesses. Because if you've got, you're going to have some kids, you never can use the exact same parenting style with every child because their gifts are different and their relative weaknesses are different. So it's the art of the deal when you're a teenager. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but, but the mistake we make is when our kids give us grief over and over and over and ask the same thing over and over and over again, we become frustrated yeah. and we begin to react. And then we say that proverbial, because I said so. Right. right? Then you get exasperated. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and typically, um, there is a lack of awareness about the importance of that, particularly the teenager, but it starts when they're toddlers. What do you Being think? Being able to say, okay. you know, 
I don't like it. I yeah. don't want it to be this way. I want to do something else. I know I got to go to bed too early. All my friends get to stay out. They get to play Fortnite or whatever the mm-hmm. latest thing mm-hmm. is that's going on. And you've got to still be willing to negotiate and renegotiate. And as that child proves they're capable, you continue to let those reins out. Yeah. You give them more room. So warmth and limits, balance of the two. It used to be when I was a fledgling family therapist, there was a lot of authoritarian parenting. There wasn't a whole lot of warmth and there was a lot of rules. And so kids back in the day, 25, 35 years ago, they used to resent their parents. Now, many of those children that became parents said, I'm not going to do the same thing. So what do we get? We get parents that have a lot of warmth and very little limits. Yeah. And so th- this the pendulum talk, is, is swung the wrong way. And this talk about indulgence mm-hmm. and entitlement comes from that. Mm-hmm. Those kids still need uh, the limits. They still need structure. Kids flourish and feel safe in a structured environment. They're going to fight you, but, but for the most part, if they know where they stand and what is expected, and you're also putting out all of that warmth and acceptance, they're going to have the experience that you had, yeah. which is, you know, you're saying, wow, we were really fortunate. We were really blessed. Yeah. Talk in general. I mean, you know, this is this is the family is the family in general in trouble. Is it is it stressed? Is it in a good place? I mean, when you think about all of the resources in 2019 that we have as a society, what is the state of that family, especially living in a, in a town like Erie, Pennsylvania? Um, I think it's a mixed bag. Yeah. Um, I, I think that parents, you know, I've been in the counseling practice for over 40 years. I have yet to have a parent come in that didn't say, I want to do right by my child. I want to give them what I didn't have. Um, but there are lots of other things that impinge on the family. Um, and it can be stressors. You were, you were talking yeah. about stressors. You got unemployment. Mm-hmm. You've got, um, um, you know, well, domestic divorce. violence. I mean, You've got divorce. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the, there's, there's five stressors that we found that maybe we could chat about them sure. for a second here. Sure. You know, uh, uh, stress situations, uh, you know, number one being divorce or separation. I mean, I, Again, these are big impactors that would happen to a kid. And so, you know, what, do there, you, what happens? Well, there's, there's been a lot of discussion in the research literature about whether it is the divorce that is impactful or the continued hostility through time mm. between the parents and then the former spouses. Um, we do know the continued hostility through time psychologically damages children. So it becomes really important. It, I mean, and divorce happens. Um, I think, yeah, there is too much of it. But at the same time, that's the, the nature of our culture at this point. Um, but the work, I mean, I, I end up doing a lot of what we call post-divorce adjustment counseling, working with the couples to figure out how can they mitigate the potential negative effects of the divorce so that it doesn't damage the kids. Do, 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 does the... Do the separating husband and wife, do, are they able to get perspective 
that they're when they act out, it's really super damaging. About about half the research says about half of the couples that divorce um, get to develop that co-parenting relationship. They gradually let the old marital issues begin to um, dissipate mm. and try to really develop a working relationship. But there is fully 50 percent that really, you know, it's, it's just, just it's a knockdown bet drag. Out. Well, and yeah. then what ends up happening, the child gets caught in the middle of it oh, and geez. they they get anxious and depressed. Yeah. And it's interesting because um, there was a really landmark study done in 98. It's in the American Sociological Review by Andrew Cherlin, where he was able to get a really big cohort from uh, the UK, uh, Britain, these uh, uh, nations in in uh, Britain and the in Europe. They track people from birth to death on all sorts of uh, measures. Um, but they looked at the impact of parental divorce on children. They were expecting, because he came from a particular philosophical uh, perspective that said that it was just a temporary blip and the kids would recover. The kids are resilient. What he found, however, was that there was a significant uh, number of children that actually they struggled well into adulthood with a certain amount of anxiety and depression. It was like about one out of four um, that it, it was that impactful. Now, I'm going to guess it was also tied into this hostility, not positive, but uh, I, I'm going to guess that that's, that's what's going on. Because when, when I've had uh, uh, clients come in that really had a, a negative reaction to their parents' divorce, part of it is just the ideal of the, of the family, the intact family. Right. But a good portion of it was that mom and dad couldn't, they couldn't figure out how to put that behind them and be right. there for their kid. You know, so they have two birthday parties and, yeah, and two goodness. baptisms yeah, and yeah, yeah. all wow. that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's <laughs> stressful. Hey, uh, we are talking to Dr. Tom Matta. He is a, a PhD and licensed marriage and family therapist. If you want to jump in on this, and he, again, he, uh, w we're going to keep moving faster because there's a lot to, when you think about the family, this, there's a lot of stuff to unpack here. 679 1080 is our phone number. Or if you want to be, you know, be uh, on the down low, you can uh, send a Facebook message to Shaney and we'll, and we'll chat about it. Just go to our Facebook page. Uh, at talk, you know, talk eerie and uh, send send that note. An another uh, stress situation is illness. Again, um, you know, uh, sometimes normalcy gets blown up. You know, that's a very real. Uh, it's very close to us here at the at the show right now about how illness impacts. Yes, yes. Well, uh, if it's chronic illness. I think it becomes cumulative because the caregivers wow. and the people that are involved, they begin to wear down. This is where in our culture, we, we, we are so isolated. Uh, the focus is typically the nuclear family as opposed to the broader social network. We need each other. We need aunts, uncles, cousins. Your grandpa. Uh, grandpa. Even fictive kin. I don't know about you, yeah. but we had people in our family. They became family, even though they weren't blood relative. For sure. Right? And yeah, Little Italy. Think about that. Yes. The, but the, everybody the, knew what's going on. 
But when you have a broader social network, the caregiving can be kind of shared. Um, you have people to go to talk to. You have people to reach out to. Where now, what ends up happening is the the responsibility rests on one or two people, and and they just wear down. They get depressed. There is a lot of research being done about caregiving, uh, especially as it relates to dementia and Alzheimer's, and how challenging it is um, to be able to to provide that care in any kind of long term way, and the the cost is just. Uh, tremendous in terms of the person's mental health. So any kind of a chronic illness, it's cumulative in terms of the impact for the caregivers. Separate and apart from, uh, you know, uh, what's the likelihood the person is recover? What's the timeline in terms of recovery? All those sorts of things. It becomes kind of an ongoing crisis, right. which, you know, it's it, it'd be challenging for anybody. I, I, got, I got three more. I got to throw them at you here. Financial problems, you know, especially when the kids really pick up on the cues that, you know, even when we've had uh, conversations in my household about money or stuff, I'm I am surprised at how my kids really kind of reel from that. Yeah, finances. Uh, I th I think it kind of comes in two um, areas. One is if there's just insufficient finances that. Uh, people are living paycheck to paycheck and in sometimes um, experiencing tremendous debt. Um, that has a cumulative effect as well. And it impacts the children because they're, you know, kids are hopeful. They're generally hopeful. And when they see uh, their parents struggle that way and the family struggle that way, it, it really affects that, uh, that well of hopefulness in them. And I think they become resigned to the idea that maybe this is my life. Maybe wow. this life is not going to be uh, the way that I envision it or see, you know, presented in the media. Um, then you've got when people become unemployed, when there's a, a sudden, it happens with divorce too. Uh, when a divorce happens, you know, we still have many men as the primary uh, breadwinner, and there's a tremendous uh, decrease in the income or the financial yeah. standing when those two families uh, become separate. Uh, and that is really impactful on the kids. They may have to move into a smaller home. They may have to leave. Uh, maybe they were going to a parochial school, a private school. Now they're thrust into a, yeah. a public school. So financial challenges um, also have that crisis element to it when there's a sudden change um we've got let me see if i can get these in for the next two minutes here uh moving to a new home or school that kind of big change in a kid's life yes and um if you're gonna move you and you can't always do it optimally but you do want to think about the shift from one school to the next um for example if a child is you know, he's got the sixth grade to go in his elementary school. You want to, if you can, stay put and then make the move as they move into uh, middle school. Same thing with high school. If you've got a 10th grader or an 11th grader, and this is where my bias is on stability 
for the children. And you can't always do that. I mean, I worked with a lot of military families and all of a sudden they're uprooted yeah. or clergy. All of a sudden their appointments over and the superintendent moves them. Uh, so it, sometimes there isn't any choice in the matter, but, uh, those kind of moves need to have a developmental sensitivity for children because they're developing their identities. And it's really impactful when the friendship network and the, the identity of, of that teenager is happening. Now they're in a new place yeah. and they, they feel a sense of who am I? I? I don't know who I am. I feel like a nobody. Um, so, yes, that is a big stressor. Okay, last one. And think, think about the little guys here. When a new baby comes is another major stressor, supposedly. Oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> For that and toddler. And there, and there are, I mean, w the research has some suggestions. You, you know, and again, these are just suggestions. Right. Um, you don't want to have babies back to back to back to back. The sibling rivalry is going to be hellish. Oh. And I'll bet there are some <laughs> parents out there that would Could attest, attest to, to that. It. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, they actually say when you get married, it's best to wait for three years before you introduce children so that you have learned to be a spouse. Then you take on the role of a parent, which is a huge transition. It is 3.55. I'm Joel Natale. And we are talking about the state of families. We have Dr. Tom Matta. He is a licensed family marriage and family therapist. And we went through five stressors, kind of had to, had to speed up. Now we're going to super speed and talk about a, a parental toolbox. What can you do to really build into those relationships on the positive side of things before the stressors hit? Well, you know, the first thing I'm going to say is the importance of rituals and families are very different in terms of the, the ways that they convey that warmth that we were talking about. But here's the thing, whatever it is that you end up doing, you want to make a fuss. Let me give you an example of what we did when my kids were coming up. I'm a big, I'm a Pittsburgh. Motown was big when I was a kid, right? So I love listening to Motown my whole life. Yeah. When my kids came along, we would put Motown on and we would dance and we would do this thing uh, that other uh, uh, family therapists talk about the dance of inclusion, where, of course, it'd be my wife and I, we would be dancing and then my wife would dance with the, the little son and I would dance with the daughter and then we'd all dance holding hands and we'd just be shaking it down, having a good time. To the temptations. Just, just to, <laughs> yes, the temptations, the Supremes, the Marvelettes, the Impressions, That's whoever awesome. we could get our hands on. <laughs> right. But the key there was to create this sense of acceptance and belonging now, this can be done in a lot of different ways. Some families, they have a, a, a campground in Sheffield and they get around the fire and yeah. they roast marshmallows and hot dogs. Other families, it's they spaghetti make, for us. It's spaghetti <laughs> or going down to Prescott for a bike ride. Anything that you can do to make this quality connection with your child. And then the other piece is you got to be aware that these transitions are stressful. The transition from uh, being a couple to having a child for the parents, uh, from, from moving from little children into adolescence. So the rituals need to continue to change. Uh, so when they become teenagers, and it's really funny in our family, if we had a big issue, 
we would get together and have a powwow and it was the ritual and my kids hated it. They would say, not a family <laughs> session. Oh my gosh, not anything but that. But it was a way what to about air. Bob, right? Yes. It was a way to air the concerns yeah. that we had. And uh, even though you can make an argument that that was, you know, was perceived by them to be negative, I think in the long run it wasn't. It was a way that we loved on them but said, here are things we need to do. So in that toolbox that you're talking about, you got to have ways that you make a fuss. And you do it in the way that speaks to that child. So you really got to find whatever that niche is. We want to welcome to the microphone. We've got a full house here. My sister, Connie Osiki. Welcome, Con. Thanks, Jeff. This is, the, this is all in the family here. <laughs> and part of our regular family, uh, Stephanie Lindenberger. Welcome, Stephanie. Good afternoon, Joge. Oh, you no, like you're not allowed family. to call oh, me Joge. Okay, Come right. on. And, of course, Shaney Bills, our producer. Hey, Shane. She's giving the wave. On the radio, that really works, Shaney. Okay. Hey, Hi. <laughs> I'm I'm responding to things on Facebook, so okay. Well, I appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hey, um, uh, I want to give the number out again because we're talking about families. We're talking about you know some something you know for some folks this is a very tough subject, and you may want to tap into our expertise that is here with us today. So six seven nine is the phone number six seven nine one zero eight zero eight one four six seven nine. 1080, that's a local call. If you're in the city, it's obviously it's easy call from your cell phone. Don't uh, call and drive at the same time with your cell phone. Uh, or uh, if you'd rather be discreet or, or anonymous, send a message to Shaney uh, at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash talk eerie. We're talking about the family. And uh, I'm going to ask Connie now, um, of course, your origin story is pretty much my origin story, but <laughs> I want to know how it was to be the the youngest of the first set of four for our parents. Well, as you know, you upset it my entire life when you came <laughs> along five years after I was the baby. The hostilities <laughs> still there 56 years later. But I was the baby. So I was the, the baby, baby of four, the middle child of eight, and the adult or the oldest of you younger four. So it was, I have all three positions. I yeah, have the Kevin oldest. Kevin Lehman would call you middle, all messed up, right? And, and youngest. I'm not messed up. I no, had a wonderful I family yeah. and I did not like you. And I almost threw you out a window. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> you don't. were only a couple months old <laughs> and mom caught me taking you out of the crib and I was going to toss you out the window because we didn't need that baby to know more. I was oh five. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I remember it. So there you go. <laughs> I, you know, I do, I am amazed at our parents that they had this perfect little family of two boys and two girls. They would have been done, what, 1957 or something like that? I was that? born in 57, so yeah. they would have been done. They would have been done. And they went ahead and had four more kids. They were not done until 1968. And uh, it's, I mean, we love the bottom four, but. Well, I, yeah, yeah. I bottom four. <laughs> but, I am also one of seven. But yeah. I'm the second oldest. You're the second. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So what about that little baby in your family? You know, were, uh, or were you guys much tighter than seven? No, we were very spread out. And my youngest sister's 14 years younger than me. Snap. Wow. So she didn't even know that I was really the sister because they actually moved to uh, Chicago from Erie uh, when my husband and I were dating and I stayed in Erie and then we got married. 
And she didn't even realize that I was really her sister, not just, you know, somebody that was around once in a while. Well, took, her, well, took her a few uh, years. Our mom got sick, um, what, 1973. And for I for about two years, Con, you kind of ran yeah, the household. I was 16 years old. Po- yeah. I mean, they just, I mean, just everything right. went to her. Right. And uh, it's just, it's interesting family narratives, right? Yes. Yeah, it's interesting family narratives and, and um, how you can recover from them. And sometimes you can't. So, but let, let, let's, let's, let's fly back up into 30,000 feet. Sure. What is the state of the family in Erie, Pennsylvania? Well, I, th- I think like any other time, there's the good and the bad. But I'm very concerned with the state of the family in Erie, Pennsylvania. Very concerned is the word. Okay. Yeah. Very concerned. Why? Well, I, th- I think we're just in a different place than we probably should be in general. I think kids are... Who I wouldn't want to be a kid today. I really wouldn't. You know, I I think they're way overworked, overstressed, over anxious, over everything. You know, and I think parents are trying to do their best, but I'm not so sure that it's enough or that it's working. All right, so uh, let's talk about these kids that come to you that you deal with in private practice. And again, uh, maybe explain some of your different roles because you have so many jobs I can't keep track. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, like, I mean, you, 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 you see kids one-on-one in your private practice. Don't you still do some work in the schools? I, well, actually, I'm down to only two jobs. Okay. I have my private practice <laughs> and I work for the Erie Family Center. All so right. um, Family Therapy Practices of Erie is my private practice. And then the Family Center, which I believe you're going to have um, our CEO here coming up in a little bit. Um, the kids that I see, though, are it's heart wrenching and it's heartbreaking. Um, they're they're anxious. I have 10 year olds that are more anxious than a 40 year old about what's going to happen next and about who's going to who they're going to say this about me and do that about I, it's. Uh, I, I, it's just beyond me and you're shaking your head. So I believe you're, you're feeling the same thing out there. Right. Well, just looking at the data, the, the, um, two parent families continue to decline and we have a, a huge population of single parents in the, especially in the city of Erie where you're, you're dealing mm-hmm. with the student parents, which, which we do as well, um, at the women's care center. So, um, yeah, there's a, a lot of stress on young single moms and um, the pressure, and there, there's a high, um, you know, poverty rate among that population as well. Well, it, ju- it just astounds me though that probably it it, it doesn't matter what social economic level you are, where, where when you have forty percent of the population on anti anxiety anti depression mm-hmm. drugs. I mean, from from, you know, the little ones all the way to senior citizens. And then, you know, and so, yeah, if you have kids that are all bound up at 10 about what's going to happen to me. Now, what are the triggers for that anxiety? Is it homegrown or is it stuff at school? Is school become a toxic place for some of these kids? Well, you have to look at what anxiety does. So anxiety is both a environmental and biological issue. So kids are learning from their parents who are anxious how to be anxious so that's the so it's environmental imprinted almost yes, yeah absolutely in- environmental and then we have the biological part which is just you know our world 
And yes, schools become toxic. Friend, I, the media, sorry guys, because that's who I'm talking to, but media, um, Facebook, internet, all of that, you know, Snapchat, Instagram. If I could blow it up and make it eradicate, I would do it in a, in a heartbeat because these kids are inundated day in and day out with, did I have the right shoes on? Did I wear the right jeans? Is, is this, you know, is this kid going to talk to me tomorrow? Is he going to put me in a locker? I mean, this stuff is not the stuff from the 50s and the 60s. This is bullying that goes way beyond anything. And then they come home to their parents who are stressed because they are often single parents or, you know, not don't have enough money. They have money, but maybe not quite enough. So everything is just a big jumbled mess for them. What about parental distraction, though? I mean, again, even even in a situation where it's a it, you know, it's a it's a two uh, a two parent household. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm concerned about and the thing that I witness is just a lack of emotional um, development on the adult side of things. I see I see a lot of immaturity when it comes to parents, you, you know, um, or or just this permissiveness that just uh, it, it's like, boy, that kid is running that household oh, and you just want to run away. You know, it's definitely a me nation. Yeah you know, that we have and, and the, whether it's the adults or the kids, it's about, it's about me. Mm-hmm. And you try to teach your children not to be doing that. But if the adults are doing that, if what they see around them is doing that, if the celebrities are doing that, everything, you know, there's a bombardment of negativity that's out mm-hmm. there. And that doesn't mean you can't raise a good kid because you can, I right. see it every day. One thing Tom Matta, Dr. Matta, mentioned I was driving out here and I, I was listening to him talk about um, I was I was I'm a baby boom, boomer and my parents were pretty strict. They're World War II kids. And um, we had a very strong, you know, uh, family dynamics and our grandparents on both sides were around and all that. And, and, you know, the kids were seen and not heard. You know, you went and played and then you came to the table and ate and then you could talk at the table, but then you left, you know, and went and played. But anyway, um, so what Tom was talking about was then the the uh, children of the baby boomers are more entitled and, and feel a little bit more um, special than we did, <laughs> you know, don't have that humility le- level. And I think some of that as well, the parents don't build that security in the home that these are the rules. Everyone obeys. We still love you, even if you get disciplined, which was how we grew up, right. both my husband and I. We had very loving parents, very healthy um, household. Um, and I can see now in my grandkids, you know, my, my, my children are having children now, and I can see that they're a little more lenient than we were as parents. So um, I think that plays out too. But even, even when you have um, a healthy environment, that bombardment from others that you're, you know, at school with or interacting with in the neighborhood or whatever, that's still a huge influence. And then the media and all of the, you know, even the games and the movies and everything is sure. is so moving at the speed of sound all the time. I feel like, I feel like my grandkids are bombarded just by um, even the, you know, the cartoon videos and yeah. things they watch. They're just, they're just crazy. It was interesting that even, even Rick Scaletta from the superintendent of the McLean school district is saying, if you know the same comments about technology 
insofar as the, the technology is a driver of a lot of the dysfunction for our kids. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, it, but how many how many parents really jump on that and enter into the scrum, if you will, this, to, to put limits on technology use and put screen time limits on? I mean, do you see? I think parents try. I think they, you know, but the big thing now is schools give iPads, which is really <laughs> awesome for one way. But in another way, it's the most horrible thing. That it's, you can it's normalizing the use of right. the screen. Yeah, absolutely. You know, research shows that two year olds before they're two should have no screen time, no television, no, no screen time, no phones, no, two. Two children up to two should not have no screen time at all. Now, I'm not saying that that's true. I'm not saying that that's a good thing because I think there's like baby Einstein and there's all kinds of things, you know, Disney movies and things like that. But but the research shows that it's better for a child not to have any screen time until they're over two years old. I can't even imagine that in the yeah. modern age. We'll continue our conversation about families here on the Joel and Natalie show. But first, let's go talk to John Baker. He's from Kingdom Financial Group. Hi, John. Hi, Joel. How are you today? Uh, I'm excited uh, and staying warm. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the key right now, that's for sure. Hey, Joel, I noticed uh, today you're talking about the state of families. And um, one of the things that we've run into a lot is, you know, the we all know that the um, divorce rate is, is way too high, unfortunately. But what people, many people don't realize is that in probably about 80% of the people, of the divorce cases, money is, is um, you know, actually one of the main areas that are, is a problem. And that's because people don't learn how to handle money early on. Um, one of the things that we really encourage people is to, you know, first of all, when you get married, you should you should uh, marry everything, uh, which means you should combine your finances. Um, all too often, we see families that still have separate finances, and unfortunately, that almost always leads to problems. Uh, the second big thing is that we want to make sure that you you know get a budget set up early because having a, a good control of your money will get rid of a lot of uh, those arguments that you might have over what you're spending and what you're not spending um, because then you're agreeing ahead of time to make sure you know what you're spending. So those are some great tips um, to get you started on, on you know how to keep your family together financially as well as every other way. Really appreciate that input. Thank you, John Baker. He is from Kingdom Financial Group. You can visit them at 652 West 6th Street uh, or give them a call, 814-836-5234. Kingdom Financial Group, a practice of Ameriprise Financial Services Incorporated. And we have Connie Osiki with us here. She is a family counselor. She's my sister. Connie, you brought this amazing statistic here. Uh, okay, so 54% of 18 to 24-year-olds still live in their parents' basement. <laughs> but, okay, I can maybe dig that. What's crazy is 16% of 25 to 34-year-olds still live with their folks. So yeah. so if you take our audience here right now, right? Uh, one in seven. <laughs> <laughs> They're still living with their parents. They're still living with their parents. You know, playing Fortnite or, you know, building their Legos in, the, in their basement. <sighs> uh, anyway, so... Uh, can can I? I mean, one of my biggest things, and it may, maybe because I struggled with emotional maturity coming up, but uh, no way. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like there's a lot of adults that really may need to get some help themselves on how to deal with stress and 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 and, 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 and mature into 
you know, their, their, you know, have their emotional age kind of match up with their physical age. Am I overstating the fact? No, I think what's what has happened is every generation wants a little bit better for the next generation. You were just talking about that with baby boomers. The problem is that when we as parents try to make it better for our children, we take away a little bit of their independence. We take a little bit away of their ability to think outside the box and, and you know, we take away take away some of the resiliency and grit, don't sure, we? Absolutely. How many people? I mean, whoever's listening, did anybody come to your door in all this snow and say, "For twenty bucks, I will shovel your walk"? I mean, when we were kids, that's what you did. I would pay somebody twenty bucks to just do a little bit. We take that away because we say to our kids, "I can make that in a minute." Or a half an hour. I make forty dollars an hour. You know, a parent might say, or I make fifty dollars an hour, a hundred dollars an hour. If you're a doctor, a lawyer, three hundred dollars an hour, right? Why would I send my kid out to shovel to make twenty bucks when I can make that in five minutes? So I'm just going to give my kid the twenty bucks to go to the movies. But you just took a, a opportunity away from your child. Wow. And, and that you must see that time and time again. Oh, so much that it makes me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about communications. Talk about, um, you know, how effective are parents in, in, in just communicating with their kids and kids communicating with their parents? And again, you know, our, our family life was not perfect. That Probably the communications thing was probably, was probably the, not, we, good. We, was not good. <laughs> but it was understood that you didn't bother dad. You know, I mean, you know, so you had to figure stuff out yourself. Again, building resiliency and grit, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think parents want to be good communicators. I think they want to be good parents. I don't, I haven't met a parent yet that's like, I want to be the worst parent in the world. However, your kid needs you to have more than 15 minutes a day of time for them. They need you to sit and may, it might take a half an hour, an hour before they get up the courage to tell you about what happened today. So you have to be there. You have to be present physically, emotionally, you have to be more out of your own head and off your phone so that you could be talking to them and, and say, you know, honey, you just don't seem right. What's going on? Cause they're going to tell you nothing about 14 times. And then if you ask them the 15th time, maybe that's the, the time that they will actually say that to you. Maybe it'll be 20 times that they're going to, you're going to have to ask, I know there's something wrong. You just don't seem right. Tell mommy, tell daddy. Wow. And even though we didn't have, um, I mean, we had great family dinner and uh, so did my husband with our, he had six brothers and sisters too. So we had these big family dinners every single night because that's how, you know, their parents were too, um, immigrants from Italy. But, you know, you sat down for dinner every night with all the kids. Um, many of my friends growing up and when we were young married with children did not have that experience and thought we were an anomaly, you know, that we would sit with our kids and, you know, we have five kids. When they didn't, when the girls didn't feel like talking, when they were teenagers or whatever, they still had to come to the table and eat. And so, a lot of that um, relationship building, or you know, being able to to um, identify if they were having a bad day, and you know, helping them get through that, however you know, however we did at the time, I think that is lost because people eat in separate rooms and yeah. with a different, you know, in, in front of a different screen or whatever. And then getting back to even the chores, um, daily chores and weekly chores we had at home 
as well growing up and so did our children and they and our our children are are doing that with their grandchildren too they see you know i'm seeing a lot of what we um did in our home you know in my children's homes as well because they see the value of it we're still a very close family i mean my kids are are texting and sometimes i'm going to bed and they're still texting each other and yeah. and that thrills me more than anything that they love each other that much they all have their own families now but they but they still you know want to share a joke or you know mm-hmm. goofy things that their kids did um i hope for that for a lot of the people in this generation that maybe didn't have that same you know connectivity to their parents the 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 the, the, the volume of time again the the, the whole myth of well, it's quality time, but no. it's 15 minutes. I mean, I think I think about just that tender moment. And again, we've talked about we've talked to the folks from the United Way who did the Imagination Library. So uh-huh. there's a book. It doesn't matter how much money you make. There's a, you could have a book in your kid's uh, uh, house every month right. from the United Way and just spend, you know, just that 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 cuddle time as you're reading, you know, Good Goodnight Moon. It's it's got to pay dividends. And yeah. if you have to read Goodnight Moon 455 times, go right. 456. Mm-hmm. Because the it's not about the book. It's about the kid saying, "If I bring this book, mom will read it to me or dad will read it to me." So, you know, parents get so frustrated, I think. I mean, I'm a parent too. It's not like it's easy. Nobody get, gives you a book and says, "This is how to raise a good kid." But I think the importance of extended family, I think the importance of internal family like the, you know sitting down doing things together playing a game turn the tv off get clue out and find out if miss mustard did it in the you know <laughs> library mustard. with the colonel mustard in the library with the you know some and, and, if, and if you're 35 and still living with your italian mother get out get out of the house get <laughs> a it, job do it for yourself do it, you know, do it for your family, because if you're 35 and still living at home, unless you're taking care of elderly parents, it's time for you to break out of your shell for sure. We have with us Connie Osiki. She's a family counselor and part of the Erie Family Center. Also, my sister, you know, almost threw me out of the window, but, you know, I survived. <laughs> Con, you know, you, you're like a second mother to me. We love you so much. And um uh, she is she is like the glue of our family. She keeps us all in line. Mm, mm. The, the I don't infor- know about all that. The, but... who, the, who, who, are you the enforcer? <laughs> has that been has that been established? <laughs> I think I've been called it worse than that. Worse but... than that. And then we've got Stephanie Lindenberger. She's part of our regular cast of uh, characters here on the show. And thank you, Steph, for being here today. Thanks for inviting me. And uh, so you know, let's talk about. Uh, parenting, and I, I was—I guess thinking I, just before we jump right back into the to the beefy stuff, I was thinking about what was what was life like on super cold days coming up. As you know, you know when you're when uh, when it was a snow day, right? Because uh, okay, here's here's a great family we would story. Fight over the the, the furnace, not the furnace. <laughs> yeah, the register. The register. Yeah, we we fight over the register. We'd want to sit on the register, but on on uh, uh you know, my mom never. Uh, you know, she never went gambling or whatever, but the bingo, bingo. at at our at our church got to like a certain level mm-hmm. of jackpot. So she was invited by her girlfriends to go. Doesn't she win like a seven hundred dollar jackpot? The only time she went and played. I mean, yeah. which which the regulars hate that, right? right. Anyway, uh, what did she 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 won like seven hundred bucks at the bingo and bought us all parkas from Grants. <laughs> 
Oh, wow. And jeans. And so, uh, you know, so I think of a, a cold snow day like today, uh, you know, us little ones, we, we were all zipped up to all you could see is maybe like a, you know, a two inch uh, round hole, you know, coming out of our parkas. And we would play in this snow. Oh, you yeah, know? we would too. You know, absolutely. making forts and, mm-hmm. you know, sled riding. Uh, sled riding. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, go we had to go, walk up the to Academy. Our Lady of Peace every day from 33rd and Zook, 32nd and Zook. So, so you I walked remember. uphill both ways, yeah. right? Well, only one way. We walked up uphill one way. But yeah. I remember, you know, because you were too cool, like sixth grade, seventh grade to wear pants or, you know, snow pants or yeah. leggings or anything. So I remember my legs being beat red. Oh you know, my goodness! Yeah, yeah, we survived, and I never had <laughs> frostbite. Hey, let's yeah. talk about what some of the offerings are uh, uh, at the at the family center because uh, there's there's a lot there. I, I you know I'm not sure it's it's one of those places that gets a lot of publicity. No, and it really should because the amount of work that we do with families at Erie the families that we get are is pretty amazing. So my job there, I. I'm a consultant, so I'm not an actual employee, even though I've worked there for 15 years. So mm-hmm. I've had the opportunity to work with wonderful people. And it's kind of interesting because it's, I don't, they're not have to be coworkers. So you even get like a more mm-hmm. overview of what's going on. So I could speak very clearly that they do wonderful yeoman's jobs mm-hmm. with very little money and very little opportunities, you know, and should have so much more. And this, just to be clear, this is not family services of no, Erie. This is, this not. is the Erie Family, family Center. Center. And w- what are what is that? What well, a family center came out of a a grant written by the United States government, probably from I the, don't know thirty years ago. Yeah. yeah, it was Randy. It was Randy. Um, oh, you see, you probably know yeah. better than me. I'm trying to remember his name though. Um, Oh, R- Randy. Doctor. Yeah. Randy Turner? Yes. Okay. Dr. Turner. Dr. Turner. We went to church together for a while. Yeah. But yeah, that was um, part of the, um, I think, the first George Bush um, okay. seniors so, administration. So years but yeah, he wrote an, the National Fatherhood Initiative that we ended up then implementing in Erie first okay. with Randy first. And then... Um, it grew out of that to be the family center. And, and we work with the family, family center, the women's care center staff um, with all of your, all the student parents from the Erie city school district. And mm-hmm. we refer clients to the now family is this needs based do you know, or can anybody access these services? Anyone, okay. anyone. And um, it, we were attached to the Erie school district for a lot of years, probably until about three years ago. And now we're on our own. So we okay. became our own agency. We're, you know, um, it, so with that, um, we probably went from kind of an umbrella to just, you know, if we put the umbrella down and the rain is just going to fall on us. And yeah. we're hoping we're hoping we're helping people. And I believe we are. Well, this is kind of interesting as parents, as teachers, uh, it's a home visiting model that provides parent education and support to families. So especially those in challenging situations. So this is kind of a tactic to kind of uh, to go after some of the, some of the dysfunction that sure. we were just talking about in the earlier half hour in that. Um, in, in, and so what is it? There's like a consultant that comes. Yeah. So there's, uh, I think right now we have probably 14, 15 ladies um, that work and it's zero to five years old. So once you get to school, you, you know, you move on um, any, any age range, any economic, there's no, you know, there's no nothing 
holding you back. And they go in, they have a curriculum that they follow. And the biggest thing is to, they're working on is to, to make sure that kids are hitting their milestones, that children are developmentally sound, that things are happening correctly. And you have somebody in your home that's like, how long has the baby been doing that? Or has the baby started to do this? You know, so that oh. we're catching things way earlier than maybe, you know, a single mom or a single dad or even a young couple that really doesn't know this is their first baby and they're not sure what they should be expecting. Here's a mom, because all of the Pat people are are moms and dads. We just lost our gentleman, but we'll find another one that fits well. Um, they're all there and they've been through this. So not only does the curriculum help them hit those milestones, but their own life experience. Yeah, so like for if a child is on the spectrum, they, they might be going undiagnosed until maybe this parent and teacher comes in or a lot of different things that they've picked out and, you know, speech issues, oh, okay. um, hearing problems. Again, most parents would have no clue. Right. You know, that this behavior from my child is, is normal or, yeah. I mean, again, what to expect when you're expecting and what is it that we had, the other book was the first three years and right. we, we read that like it was the Bible, you know, right. you know, because you just try to figure out what, what to do next. Okay. Baby's got a di- diaper rash. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you know, how do you mitigate that? How do you mitigate, uh, Calicky behavior. Right. And some of these, yeah. some of our families, you know, are new to Erie. They don't know things, you know, so that. And you have ha- new Americans coming in. Right. And, Absolutely. You know, so we're, we're helping issues. in all those different areas for sure. So, you know, parents as teachers is, is a simple thing. If you are, have a child under the age of five and you would like some support, give us a call because we'd love to come to your home. We will come to the shelters. So we go to all four shelters, uh, homeless shelters, you know, we'll go anywhere. Uh, within Erie County. All right. So let's talk about motherhood. Ah, that's my program. <laughs> the motherhood, Mothers. The motherhood and the fatherhood initiative are very similar. We offer two groups um, that run, uh, fatherhood runs on Thursday night and Saturday mornings, and motherhood runs on Wednesday mornings and Thursday evenings. And it's a 12-week group. It, it is also a curriculum-based, um, and... We get people from all over. Basically, what motherhood and fatherhood is trying to do is make you a better person, which will make you a better parent, which make you a better citizen, which will make you a better, you know, world. Better family, better neighborhoods, better community. Right. So it's a little bit less a parenting program and more, um, you know, like a person program, although it's called motherhood and fatherhood. We're we're working. What would you learn it? Something like that. Well, some of the topics are like self-esteem, self-growth, healthy, healthy families, healthy relationships, um, you know, spending time and, you know, the importance of time Mm. for yourself, for your kids. You know, so there's 12 different topics and each and they mirror the motherhood and the fatherhood. And all this stuff is informed by social science data, right? I would imagine. I mean, they're all all researched. Yes, they're all research based. They're all they've been proven for years to work. you know, so it it is a very good program, the the motherhood and the fatherhood. Um, now, and, uh, some of your clients at this care center. Well, and I was going to ask Connie, the Erie Family Center has kind of transitioned the last couple of years because you also used to have the student parent program. Right. Through the, the school, through the school district. In, right. In the school district. Right. And we we worked with Laura Samuelson. Mm-hmm. 
And actually, the ELECT program, which is for student parents outside the area of the city of Erie, um, and we, uh, all the um, students in the city who are identified as a parent, expecting parent, um, are referred to the Women's Care Center for Childbirth Education and Newborn Care. And they can continue to take ongoing Stepping Stones classes, which are kind of an informal video. Um, there's, there's a whole series, like voluminous, like, like yeah. your CDs there, of, <laughs> of different topics that the, the students can choose to learn about, whether it's budgeting or <clears throat> um, decorating or, you know, cooking or uh, how to health, shop healthy or whatever. I mean, there's just tons of videos that the mom and dad can come and earn credits every time they come. And then they can choose what they would like to spend their credits on. So the credits equal about five five dollars, um, and they can decide to save their credits for every time they come and have a session with our staff, um, and buy diapers forever or um, crib, pack and play stroller, double wow. stroller for twins. We've had anything that they they you know put on their list that they want to have for their child and their home um, for the baby. Um, they can save and they can start coming when they're identified as pregnant and they can stay until the baby's first birthday. So they have potentially, you know, a year and a half to accumulate credits and, and buy all kinds of stuff. And so that's, that's been one of our greatest, um, success stories in the last few years, a new program that we started three or four years ago now, I, I think, but we've had graduates and, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm put, posting pictures all the time of our, mm-hmm. our Stepping Stones parents. Well, do, do you have to supply incentives for folks to participate in the motherhood and fatherhood or not so much? No. Mm-mm. Okay. So the, the incentive is willing. Yeah. It, yeah. The incentive is the completion and a certificate because some, some of our parents are court ordered. Some are suggested to come by, you know, uh, various agencies and things like that. So a certificate in Erie, for a motherhood or fatherhood certificate, it carries a lot of weight. Yeah. You know, it really okay. does. And, you know, our other new program, Incredible Years, I don't know if you've heard about it. It's out of um, Washington, um, Oregon. I always get those two mixed up. Out of Oregon. And that is a full parenting program. And we have one in the home and we have one in the community. So it's a 12-week group. Some of uh, You could be referred to go in the home and it's a curriculum and it's research-based and, you know, evidence-based. And also, if you don't want people in your home, you could come to us and we run the groups. Uh, and those are very good. Those are actual parenting. Like, if Johnny does A, Mommy does B. Well, you're fight. It looks again in reading the, the description, talking about aggression. You're, mm-hmm. you're trying. So obviously, something has been kind of seen in yes. this child that boy, he's overly aggressive. She's overly aggressive. Right. How do we mitigate that? You know? Right. So we're talking to Connie Osiki. She's a, a family counselor, also part of the, the the team at the Erie Family Center, and also Stephanie Lindenberger. You're on the Joel Natalie Show. If you want to weigh in, six seven nine ten eighty is our phone number. Or you can send us a private message at facebook.com slash Erie. Actually, let's go ahead and grab a phone call here. Uh, uh, hello, caller. You are on the Joel Natalie Show with Connie and Stephanie. Hello? Joel? Yes. Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I didn't hear any kind of beep or, you know, <laughs> ringtone. Did you hear me? Oh, I recognize that voice, though. I think that's my <laughs> oldest brother. Nobody... Yeah. <laughs> Joel. Yes, sir. Nobody, nobody said, nobody said, Bronco. <laughs> that's what they, 
That's what they say when they answer the phone in Italy. Prato. Okay, so yeah, we've got two anyway. minutes. Go, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, come on. Who's going to scare with two minutes? Anyway, I, I really don't have a comment. I, uh, I know both Connie and Stephanie, um, longtime admirers of both of them. And, um, Lord help us. I just wanted, what's that? He said, Lord help us. She's making, she's making, she's making comments from the peanut factory. Pete, what do you, what do you have to say? All I wanted, all I wanted to do is acknowledge my sister as the smartest woman in Pennsylvania. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. (laughs) And have her tell that story. Well, yeah, I I will. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate it. Okay. Okay. Very welcome. So good to talk with you. Absolutely. Same here. Okay. So just explain that you, uh, what were you going for? Your boards, right? I mean. Yeah. For my license. Okay. Yeah. And I, and and I ended up at the time, I'm sure I've been ousted since then, but at the time I was the high, I had the highest grade in the state of Pennsylvania. That's really (laughs) remarkable. It really is remarkable. (laughs) We are talking to Connie Osiki <laughs> and Stephanie Lindenberger. Again, if you want to weigh in, it's 679-1080. And uh, yeah, boy, uh, that early intervention piece for aggressive behavior has got to be hugely important on a lot of levels. Yeah, so absolutely. Go to our website, Google Incredible Years. Um, look at our website for the parents as teachers, the motherhood fatherhood group. We have um, several other programs that are awesome that – Taking the whole family, um, just it's a good place. It's good people and in a good place for sure. It is seven before five o'clock. You're on your drive home with Joel Natale on the all new talkerie.com at 103.3, 105.9. And AM fifteen thirty again. We're under that uh, heavy duty, um, uh, you know, windchill watch. And right now, I'm I'm looking right at the uh, the the weather.gov website, and we're still showing a minus one at the airport. Check this out: the windchill minus twenty four. Again, uh, flesh freezes at 10, in ten <laughs> minutes. You know, this is this is nothing to mess around with. No, so. It's not. Yeah. Hey, we're talking about the Erie Family Center and all the support. And again, it's it's not needs based. You can you can access this this uh, this stuff. And I just think about um, a, a little bit of what uh, Dr. Matta was saying, and just from our own personal origin stories, is that you know when when parents used to come up, okay, there used to be this entire infrastructure of ants and you know you know people being up all up in your business right Right. and so you know when our parents when our mom and dad were raising us and again they're they're you know they were superstars right uh they are superstars and um but you know there was a lot of people informing them i'm sure that my my aunt my aunt minnie had something to say and and grandma had something to say you know i mean mrs conti i remember judge mrs conti said to me, I have to, you have to go home. Cause I was, I was being mean. And by the time I got home across oh, the street, snap. Yeah. mom snatched me up and she was like, you were sent home from the Contes of all people. I was like, Oh my yeah, goodness gracious. Cause they, we were so close Absolutely. as a family. I mean, the whole the neighborhood, neighborhood raised you. Everybody yeah. raised That's you. Right. So that all that, all that neighborhood um, uh, coalition, uh, all that, 
all that function is gone now, right? Yeah. It's even hard to know your neighbors. And, and certainly the idea of, of a family living with you or that's all gone. And so, you know, programs like this where we're, we're using social science data and, and best practice to just kind of help families along seem that, it, you know, if, if, you, if you love your kids and if you love your spouse, you really should take advantage of it if you're kind of clueless about what to do with this little baby right. or, you know, or what to do with this, this child that's really kind of acting out maybe aggressively and you can, you know, kind of nip things in the bud. Right. right. I mean, let's talk about strengthening families. It's a, uh, again, uh, talking about child management skills and parent child relationships. The nice thing about strengthening families, which is a little bit different than the incredible years um, community. So that's also a group. And, but the difference is that this is the families are together with the kids. Like some of our groups, you know, we offer transportation and childcare for everything we do and oftentimes offer a meal. So with strengthening families, you sit down with a meal, then the kids go in one room with a therapist and the parents go in another room with the therapist and you're learning the same topic, but as it relates to, you know, your age group, and then they come back together and discuss it and they do a craft. It is so nice because it gives you a different flavor about what, um, you know, it gives them something to talk about on the way home. It gives them something to talk about during the week. Like if you're talking about stressors, you know, parents could say, hey, you know, what did you tell Miss Michelle? Michelle Martusi is the person that okay. runs it. Yeah. What did you tell Miss 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 Mar- Michelle? So that then you could have that ability to talk about what you talked about and it gives them something to do all week long. And they give little homework assignments. And so, um, we have programs that include the kids. We have programs that the kids are in childcare, you know, so that you can have a break. Some of these parents, this is the only, they wow, can't afford, yeah. they can't afford daycare or, you know, childcare or whatever, or they're with their child all day long. And it gives them a break to spend an hour or two hours with an, other adults talking about kids. Let's jump right to your last program. One, two, three magic. What is that? Oh, that's, that is Dr. Phelan. He is out of Michigan and that, this, that is as old as the Hills. You know, that one, two, three magic is, been around forever. It's counting. So when your mom said to you, that's one, that's two. Oh, it's, just, it's just a mechanism. Yes. And oh. then they said three. In the old days when you didn't get to three because you were scared at two. You were <laughs> right. terrified right. at two. Now kids get to three and what are you going to do about it, mom? One, two, three magic actually tells you how to handle the what are you going to do about it? Yeah, the defiant part Yeah, of it. so we, wow. we offer all those programs. It one, two, three magic now has a tantrums, attention deficit, autism, okay. and a teacher's component. Connie, thank you so much. Absolutely. This I had is, fun, Jeff. This is fun. You know, tomorrow we bring in Jeff. We talk about mental oh, health. No. You know? So it's it's all about the family. I'm, you know, it helps to be a part of a family of eight because you can pull in. And, and again, uh, Alan texted me today about doing something with, about the, law. with the criminal justice system because my brother is an attorney. So, yeah, it, 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 you know, if you're going to do a radio show like this, you might as well have a big family to, to tap right. into. Right now, we're talking about the state of families, and Stephanie Lindenberger is with me. And, uh, you know, uh, Stephanie, uh, uh, you have a couple statistics you want to get to really quickly here as far as, you know, uh, you know, just, you know, making families better and, you know, success, success factors mm-hmm. for families, right? I mean. Well, and the, 
the, the bad news is that two parent families um, with children are, have been on the decline for many years. Um, and they are at the highest levels right now that they've been in the United States ever. And that causes a lot of stress, yeah. uh, especially for the mom who's usually the one at home with the kids. And so what we try and, uh, you know, our goal at the Women's Care Center is to um, provide um, services that help to f- a family to form. Okay, so we get um, a, a woman in the, in the door, a young woman mostly, um, often with the dad or a partner, um, but um, mostly not married, mostly unmarried. And so what we're trying to do is support them through the crisis and finding out that they're pregnant. Um, helping them to become a good parent, but all of our services are geared toward helping that couple form a family if it's at all possible, because that's the best outcome for them and for the child. It it makes sense, right? I mean, you you know, the, you know, there's just so many, so many factors that come into play when, when that happens, isn't there? Right. And there's, you know, in in this day and age, there's no stigma anymore. So it's not that any that the culture is, you know, looking down at this couple. Um, and so we want to help them to understand the benefit of, of hanging in there together, uh, forming a family, learning together, growing together, providing as much education and support as we can. And so, um, you know, that's, that's what we do. And we find a lot of, a lot of success in that. Uh, we haven't started doing weddings yet, but that, that is one of the <laughs> That's goals one of the next on the, things, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's have the wedding and a party. So we go from <laughs> brand new families to families that have been around a little bit. And joining me here in the five o'clock hour is Ed and Debbie Matson. They're from Harbor Creek and they're the parents of a large family. And we're talking about families here and welcome to the show. Hi, Joel. Hi, Joel. Thanks for having us in. All right. I really appreciate you coming in and offering your unique perspective. I do want to get your origin stories first, though. Ed, uh, did you grow up here in Erie or how'd you get to Erie? I grew up in Erie, uh, left for a little bit of uh, time to go work with IBM and then came back uh, after about seven years and lived here ever since then. So okay. Basically a native of the area. Yeah. How about you, Deb? Also, I, I grew up, we both grew up in Girard. So. Oh, in Girard. Okay, so you're Eastsiders now, but you grew up on the West Side. Yes. Were you high school sweethearts? We sure were. <gasps> oh, that's awesome. Like, what was the name of the prom? Was there a theme that you remember? <laughs> Come on, I want to hear it. <laughs> I, I didn't plan any proms, but Deb did a lot of planning of proms, so I'm sure no, she remembers. I don't remember <laughs> you don't remember the, the, the senior prom? Come oh, I don't on. Remember the Mine theme. was always and forever. I'll yeah. never forget that, you know? <laughs> Did better than we did, <laughs> but Gerard High School, your your alma mater, awesome. Correct. So hey, um, we're talking about families in from where you sit as as parents and grandparents. How do you feel the state of families in our area is? If you if you have like a just kind of a hunch of what that's about, what would you say? Uh, let's say it's a trying time for sure. I mean, there's a lot of. Uh, dynamics that pull your time and attention in different directions and you really have to keep control of that and you really need to be synced with your wife i mean if you don't operate as a team it it gets uh, messy really fast right deb yes definitely yeah the the um and and i would imagine the unique dynamic of, of you know you have eight kids and they're all they're all adults now and but uh when they were uh when they were younger you know you know, you had them all within 12 years. That had to be um, 
a lot of activity all at once for a while, wasn't it, Deb? It was. It was. But I loved it. I love being a mom. Absolutely. So, um, you know, now the, 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 the ages are right now between what? 21 uh, and the 33, if that's a test question. Okay. <laughs> and uh, how many grandchildren have you had so far? We have 11. You have 11 grandchildren. Amazing. All right. So let's talk about family dynamics. Um, and, and, you know, kind of roll it back to that, maybe that young mom. Let's talk about the, you know, the, you know, if you can remember back to maybe when the first one came around or, or something like that, what were some of the, some of the, the things that you had to deal with that you remember were, were super exciting times and super challenging times? What would you say? Well, Ed traveled a lot, so that was probably the most challenging. Um, it seemed like the children would get sick when he was gone. Oh, yeah. So um, so you get that phone call at night. You know, uh, did no, you check in at well, night once a, a night? Yeah, or? We would talk at least once a day when he was traveling. But um, the, the hardest part was um, in January after our first son was born, and he was... Um, he was born in December, the beginning of December, and Ed was out of town, and all five of the children got chicken pox. Oh, my word. It's a great time to be out of town. I was going to say, that's got to be a record. For we just kind of went through the family, and, and you were not around at, for the whole thing almost? Or? Actually, I don't remember much of that at all, so I was out Monday through Thursday Oh, at least. my gosh. That was probably the most challenging. How time. little were they? Did they, did they get... I mean, if they were little, it probably wasn't as dramatic. It, like I had it when I was 15 and I was, it was a mess, you know. Yeah, they were little, but, uh, you know, they all wanted me at the same time. Yeah. That was, that was the hardest part. Um, but I just set aside everything else. You know, the dishes didn't get done. The laundry didn't get done. But my children were on my lap and, you know, it was great. So When you uh, were a young mom and young dad, what kind of support network was available to you, whether through your church or, you know, the mops groups or what have you? Did, was there something that you could rely on? Did you have girlfriends or? Um, mostly my mom. Your mom. My yeah. mom and I are very close and um, she's been a huge help all through the years. Um, even when Ed's around, yep. she's a great she's help. She's always there. And uh, has been very supportive of our children um, through sports and things. Um but um, Mops, to my knowledge, was not around. I know that I went when the twins, we have twins that are our youngest, and when they were young, I went to Mops. Did you? But that was the first time I had ever heard of it, whether or not it was So you, you had six kids down, down, and then you went to Mops. So, yes. Uh, what about you, Ed, as far as a young dad? Do you remember a support network, or did you have a... Uh, some buddies from church or wherever yeah, I mean, that the, the church played a big role in the fact that we spent, you know, Sundays and Wednesday nights and, and those kinds of activities kept us all on the, you know, kind of on the same path. And, you know, it was, it, at times it was very trying because you'd go on a Wednesday night and you get home about nine, nine thirty and try to get everybody to bed and then everybody up the next morning. And, but it was important for them to be there because again, that it was at all that support that, you know, you, you were trying to train them and expose them to things. Now it became a lot more difficult the older they got, because again, the, you're, you've got all these things trying for their time, whether it be sports or academics and those kinds of things. So you, you tend to, to kind of separate a little bit. But in, in this case, I think it built that strong foundation at the beginning for them to get started. We're talking to Ed and Debbie Matson. They're uh, 
parents of a large family and now lots of grandchildren. Super exciting. It's uh, the Joel Natale show here. And, uh, you know, as, okay, so maybe not so much the young mom anymore and you're, you're kind of in that middle eight, middle area and that's when it gets busy. You know, they're going to different schools. They're involved in different sports. You, you had uh, different interests all throughout the eight. Uh, how do you navigate that? I mean, I mean, did you, did you do Boy Scouts? Did you, I mean, how, you know, what, what kinds of things were you guys involved in? They were in the Wednesday night programs that our church sponsored in. Um, like the Royal Rangers Royal, and all that Ray, stuff. Yeah. Royal Rangers and um, Stars. Well, Missionettes. Missionettes, okay. It's been there a while. Yeah, right, sure. Sorry. Um, and, um, and then as far as sports, we really said if you want to play sports, we're totally on board with that. But you can only play one sport per season. So if well, how do you do more than one sport a season? Is it possible people do that? Oh, lots of people I see <laughs> these days. Anyhow, you know, yeah. their ch- their child goes to dance and they go to piano and they go to of course they right. go to you know basketball or soccer and um, we just said you can do one per season. And where did that advice come from? And would you give that advice to a, a mom or dad today? I think that came from trial and error. Too much. <laughs> When you take two, that's okay. Four, you double it, and you all of a sudden you wind up with eight. Yeah. I mean, guys, pick one thing. I mean, otherwise, you're, you know, we're going to go nuts here. So, and again, it doesn't give you any family time if, if you're all running in different directions every time. So the rule was you're allowed one sport activity mm-hmm. per season, and you couldn't quit. So if you started it, you were in it for whatever those three or four or six months was. You didn't have to do it again, but the idea was you got exposed to things. You weren't going to quit on something or your team. That's really kind of an interesting value there saying, hey, if you're going to make the effort to go out of it, you you stick it through the the whole season, no matter uh, if your coach is a mean cuss or, you know, or you don't get along with the the other uh, boy or girl on the team. You got to go for it. Do you feel like that kind of uh, approach created some tenacity and grit in your kids? Because that seems to be one of those values that a lot of uh, millennials or kids coming up, uh, young adults mm-hmm. coming up, seem to lack. Do you feel like you see your kids with um, some tenacity? Even, even Absolutely. The same. I mean, they'll start something and, you know, you've signed up for it, whether it's a class or whatever it is. So, And the other thing that Deb really loved to focus on was family time, vacation time. We were going to go somewhere, do something, see somebody at some point during the summer. and. Uh, we had the ability multiple times to go out west on very large trips for many, many weeks at a time. And if you ask the kids today, some of their favorite memories or memories will be from those kinds of trips. Remember that mm-hmm. time we did this or that happened to you or, you know, that kind of stuff. And, it, you know, it really comes back to play when you get back together in holidays and they all get back together again several times a year. But the, those stories will come up, right, Deb? Yes, absolutely. One of the other times that um, when they were younger, um, it was... Sunday was family day. So we would go to church and a lot of times um, the girls might, especially the girls would say, can I go to so-and-so's house? And um, it wasn't that we didn't want them to spend time with their friends, but we said that Sunday is Sunday's family day. So we would spend playing games or, or just being together, you know, go sled riding. Um, that was that was an important thing for us too, and I think that that 
um, and family dinners. We were always big on, we will sit at the the dinner table together. And that was, that was important. Eight kids, 11 grandchildren, and lots of wisdom, both sewn into you and now that you're sharing with others. Do people ask you these kinds of questions all the time these days, Ed? Yeah, you get get eight children? It's like, yes, and I've survived, and so have they. And uh, we're still on speaking terms. (laughs) But, I mean, mean, are are you now at your stage in life, are you becoming like the... Like the mentors or the or the you know the folks that that people look up to to get some advice. I mean, yeah. raising kids is tough. Yeah, it's not it's not an easy easy thing to do. That's for sure. But I think the uh, the, the key it again having a grounded Christian foundation goes a long way, Joel. I mean, if you look at what goes on in today's world, that's really the basis for it. And uh, Deb and I have done we think a pretty good job with God's blessings and help to try to figure out how do we. How do we mold these kids, right, Deb? Well, let's talk about that because, you know, the social – I'm involved with the uh, unified eerie prevention aspect of religiosity, which is a fancy social science term to say, you know what, just take your kids to worship, you know. And again, they're, they're not distinctive about what, what faith uh, tradition it is, but that uh, the studies show that participation in worship one hour a week makes a huge difference in grades – in uh you know and in, in stemming uh you know pushing back antisocial attitudes and things how important was that worship aspect to your family as they were coming up i believe it was it was huge um and um you know they obviously make their decisions when they get older as to what how they're going to um live their life for the lord scripture says they'll when that foundation is there they'll return to it so it, and, d- it doesn't bear bo- void. Go yeah, ahead. and we do see that. I mean, I, again, you know, when they do come in town, the ones are out of town, they'll want to go to the Sunday service. Or, you know, Deb often receives many phone calls through the course of the week from the kids asking questions, you know, now that they're young adults or young parents. You know, how did you do this, Mom? Or how did you do that? Well, how, you know, oh, man, I can't believe you did all this kind of stuff. And, and she's really good about just listening and, and, you know, answering the questions when they ask, but not giving away too much wisdom information because again, they, they have to be able to, to receive it and want it. Let's talk about that because a, a lot of our listeners are, are in the same boat as you and same boat as me that I have adult children and your, your, your parenting changes, you know, I, you know, I definitely had the helicopter parent phase, you know, uh, I did things for my kids that my parents would have never dreamed of doing for me. And I get that. But now it's it's a different phase. I've got uh, two launched uh, adult boys and one uh, adult girl in, in uh, a, a young woman in college, and it goes from that it goes into more of a consultant phase, doesn't it? Right. But some parents they still want to be all up in their kids' business. Can you talk about that and and give some advice to the parent? I think that. Um being in their business all the time and pushing your thoughts and how you think they should do things will probably push them away for most, for most of them. Um, I can't say that I agree with everything um, that, that has happened, but at the same time, I respect 
their this decisions and the bottom line is the decision has to be made between it, our daughters are the ones that are married um, between them and their husbands. And, um, and it has to be their decision on, on things, whether Ed and I agree on it or not. Um, in the end, they're, they're the parents. And by me trying to be overbearing about it would only make it harder on our relationship. And I don't want to ever, to ever do that because I want to be there for them. Right. And she, and Deb's done a great job as far as being able to listen and decipher and provide wisdom, but not go overboard. So again, I go back to the, you know, several times during the course of the week, there's phone calls that happen either during the day or after the day. And, 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 and she's, you know, on the phone for quite a while. And it's great to see that relationship of a, and a, a grandparent to a young adult parent kind of thing. Then, and, and she's done a great job with that. And, that's really cool to watch. And, and again, our kids all still like each other. You know, we get together for holidays. It's a, it's you have a, a big, good time. Don't it's you? a big deal. If yeah. somebody doesn't make we really it. really do. And, and then again, it goes back to that family, family unit that they all like it. They all enjoy coming. You know, they, it's not like, yeah, I'm not coming. I don't want to go, but it's, they're all there. As, as an experienced couple, um, would you give some hope to that? I'm getting emotional to that mom or dad. That is estranged from their adult children or is, is, is this, it's a source of sadness for them. Could you give some hope? I think, um, love them, pray for them, reach out to them as hard as that might be. Um, be ready for being rejected, but at the same time, just open your heart to them and, um, apologize if you need to. Sometimes that's the hardest one of the hardest things that we have to do. Um, I tried to do that as often as possible as my children were growing up um, because I wanted them to understand that I'm not perfect. I make mistakes and I'm willing to say, I'm sorry I was wrong. And that teaches them to be able to do that in relationships that they are in as well. Last thoughts, Ed? I can't add anything to that. (laughs) That's... that's worth the uh, the wisdom of listening to the show for you know the last few minutes right there. Thank you guys so much, Ed and Debbie Matson. It, it is it is a privilege to be a parent, and then it's a privilege to allow them to launch, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's it's a, and there's hope if you're that young mom who's who's you know changing diapers and has got a you know got a a messy kitchen. You know what? It'll it'll get clean eventually. That's right. That's right. Your time with your children passes so, so quickly. Enjoy it while you're in it. Um, and let those things that really can wait, wait. Obviously, you need to, you need to do laundry once in a while. You need to, you know, make dinner every day. But um, take the time and spend it with your children. Have your older children turn off their cell phones at dinner time or whatever you need to do so that you connect with um, your, you know, preteens and teens. And they just, they just want to spend time with you. They really, I mean, we have eight, you know, plus 11 more in, you know, they all want to spend time. So you have to figure out how to divide that time up and treat them all equal. Yeah. I'll, Joel, I'll add the comment that we've always treated all of our children as equals, not one's better than the other one. They're all, they're all equals. They get the same amount of whatever it is we have available to go around. And I think that's important too, you know, that they're, it's again, they all look at it like, you know, yeah, we're, we're just like everybody, you know, the rest of the family. So 
that it's not easy, but it's it's definitely worth it. And as grandparents, we go ahead, you know, we get the opportunity now to spoil the grandkids. That's right. That's <laughs> as <awesome>. you know. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Ed and Debbie Matson. More on the Joel Natale show in a moment.